Welcome to Model Rail Radio. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is being recorded live on Skype, May the 4th, 2019. I was coming into this thinking I need a Star Wars joke at this point, but anyway, May the 4th, 2019. <laughs> Model Rail Radio is the internet's only live recorded radio show where the topic is the hobby of model railroading. By the chuckling, you could probably already guess that I have on Terry Terrence. Terry, what is going on with the model railroading hobby and you currently? Well, let's see. Today was a pretty good model railroading day. The James River Division of NMRA, which I'm a part, uh, had its bi-monthly meeting, and I was able to attend. Oftentimes on a Saturday, I can't, mm. but I was able to attend this one. I just wish they would pick a location a lot closer to my home. <laughs> Um, the, the location of today's meeting was 110 miles away. So fortunately I'd like to drive. So it wasn't that big a deal. Hmm. Um, so I went there and, um, the James River division and the Potomac division are planning a joint meeting in November of this year. And this one is going to be a whole lot close to my home. But the downside of that is they're twisting my arm to the breaking point <laughs> for having my layout on the tour. Uh-huh. And I don't mind, except the layout is still in a very, very disreputable shape uh, after last year's O-Scale National. So, But at least now I have a uh, deadline to get it back into full operation and uh, you know cleaned up and all, all that sort of thing. So... I hadn't heard the story where it was in worse shape because of the O-Scale National. What what occurred around the O-Scale National, or was it just in bad shape due to the amount of time that you put into the O-Scale National? Well, it, it, it's both. Um, a lot of stuff accumulated in the basement. You know how that is. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, any available space is, is rapidly filled. So uh, all the aisleways are I – can, I can sort of – shimmy by but that's about it mm. and all that has to be cleared up there's still some stuff left over from the convention that's down there for instance there's a box of various supplies i have to move out there is a um a uh tv stand if you remember the tv <laughs> that was near the registration desk i remember well, it well. The TV went to my mother-in-law, uh-huh. Very good. but the stand is still in the basement, so that has to get cleared out. Uh, anyone you know who needs a uh, flat panel TV stand, let me know. Mm. And then just a whole bunch of other stuff that's accumulated that I just have to put away. And it's it's been a little bit uh, a little bit hard to get motivated up until now, but now I have the, the necessary motivation in that. Um, uh, I can expect a large crowd in November. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Well, so, peer pressure is very important in the hobby, right? So uh, Absolutely. Utilize this peer pressure. And uh, Craig Biscay might have told you, or you might have heard a little bird tell you, that I'm actually remarkably good at cleaning out layout rooms as well. So if I have a weekend <laughs> spare in the next few, I will volunteer my services, fly out for the opportunity to see your layout and to clean it up, because I certainly have a couple of weekends free in the next six weeks. So well, you need why, any assistance? Well, six weeks, I'm going to be a little bit busy because I'm, I'm going to be out of town most of June. Uh-huh. I was out of town most of April. So what's, what's um, the story with this retirement malarkey? I mean, you, you say that you retire, but it sounds like you're busier than ever. 
Um, that's true. And, and everyone told me that, and I did not believe them. But I just saw well, one of our group here who is a uh, retired uh, chemist. Uh-huh. And he was complaining uh, at the meeting today that he's busier than he was before. Of course, he has he has no excuse because he took on the editorship of a uh, of a journal in in the chemical field. Oh, no. So that that's sort of self inflicted uh-huh. pain. Uh-huh. But um, you know, yes, everyone told me. I now absolutely believe them. Jim Gore's another one retires and yeah. Absolutely and utterly uncontactable. So interesting, interesting. So it sounds like you have some kind of strategy with regards to at least the large items that might be blocking up your your layout room currently. But in terms of additional stuff that you need to do, like do you have scenery to tidy up? I mean, with the, oh, I the absolutely. Stuff? I also absolutely have some scenery to do. There's, I absolutely want to get at least three small sections of scenery done before November. Uh, some of the styrofoam is in place. It needs to be shaped, uh, ground cover put down, rocks, you know, cast and or carved into place. So I think in a few shows back, I was telling you one of those areas is a, a tunnel on the West End that was daylighted oh, yeah. oh, Baltimore, yeah. Ohio. So that's going to be, I think, a fairly unique scenic area. The other one is through some S-curves on one end of the basement. That should be an, a nice scenic feature. And, of course, the uh, riverbed where you just come down into the basement, that's been sitting there for I don't know how long. And it needs to be finished, you know, like get water in. Yes. And, and rocks and sand and all of that sort mm. of stuff. So there's there's a lot to do. And, and I'm also sitting here, I just today talk to the uh, advancement director in James River Division how this uh, electrical engineer uh, achievement certificate mm-hmm. happens. And the nice thing about it is it's all objective. Demonstrate this, demonstrate this, demonstrate this. There's no Kentucky windage put on this for how well did you do it. It's, it's binary. You did it or you didn't do it. And uh, I think I spoke about this on uh, an earlier show. There still is uh, some items I'm going to have a hard time demonstrating, but there is like an A, B, C section of things you have to demonstrate. I think B and certainly C, I've got more than what they ask for. B, I think I can take care of. I may actually demonstrate a few of the things in HO. Mm. For instance, they want you to wire up a Y. Okay. Well, I have no Y on my layout or reverse <laughs> loop. Yes. But I could probably, you know, for 40 bucks, 50 bucks, put together one in HO and demonstrate that, yes, yay, verily, I can wire it up. So. I'm going to explore that option to uh, get a few of these things dusted off. But Section A still has a number of things that, you know, like it requires you to do a passing siding. Um, It requires you to do a few other things that are not baked into my railroad because I followed the prototype track arrangement, which is another good segue to... (laughs) <laughs> I'm all full of segues today. Very good. Um, 
the uh, this joint meeting of James River Division and Potomac Division. Mm-hmm. They also want me to do a clinic, and I'm sort of burned out of doing all my old clinics. So I'm devising a new clinic, which will be about how I went about designing and at least partially building my railroad. Mm. So it's going to be about how do you model the B&O West End in, well, I'm going to try to keep it scale agnostic, but, um, you know, the B&O West End, everyone's heard of it. Very few people have seen it. There's not much written about it because I'm about four or five hours away. I've made several trips there and I know it reasonably well, but I don't know every twist and turn. And so therefore it's, uh, it's still all new to me and I'm sure it'll be new to other people. So, so, uh, a question on the passing sidings since you raised it, mm-hmm. how, how do you move trains around other trains or do you just run them until they get to kind of points of, of switching and then, you know, move them accordingly? I mean, that seems well, to be the whole military. The whole prototype railroad was double and triple. Ah, easy. So they did not have to move trains around one another, mm. which causes my dilemma in getting the electrical engineering uh, achievement certificate. So I more or less faithfully reproduced the track plan. And while I can move trains from track one to two to three, and conceivably, if you consider a 75 foot long passing siding, <laughs> yes, maybe I can pull that off and say, yeah, at the top of the grade, I switched over to this track and at the bottom of the grade, I switched back. But, uh, that would be sort of a dodge. Mm. You never know. Depends on the assessor, right? Well, that's why I'm going to have to work with the uh, advancement director in in James River Division to make sure I don't do all of this in vain. In terms of the summer months, you say you're going to be away through June. You've you've clearly got a lot of busy stuff. You're doing stuff at the National, too, I'm assuming. No, I am not. Interesting. At least not at this juncture. Okay. My summer is sort of filled up with... uh, uh, July and August, I have committed to doing scout camp with Certainly. the local scout group at my parish, uh, because again, I'm retired yep. <laughs> and a lot of the dads of, of boys in the troop cannot spend the weekend in summer camp. Certainly. So, uh, we're having two summer camps this year, one for the younger boys, and then a high-adventure summer camp for the older boys. So uh, I volunteered to uh, to sit in both summer camps, and, and one of them is in July. I think it's the same week as the National, mm, but yes, it, even if it isn't, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> go a week to summer camp and then hop on a plane out to Salt Lake City. So high high adventure, is that orienteering? Is that, you know, find yourself at one place, work your way to the other place, survival on your wits? What, what's high adventure in? Well, in high adventure terms? can mean uh, sort of unusual uh, experiences. For mm-hmm. instance, rappelling mm-hmm. uh, or scuba diving. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I've been a certified diver since 1973. Gosh. But I haven't rappelled yet. And I'm a big guy, <laughs> as you well know. And I, this is going to be somewhat interesting. Wow. <laughs> so it's not survival so much as just doing exciting stuff. 
it's yes, it's doing exciting stuff or it's stuff that uh, scouts don't usually do. Right. Or going to a place scouts don't usually go. For instance, the Boy Scouts of America have a uh, camp in uh, Rayton, uh, New Mexico. Mm. Uh, that's uh, all about high adventure. Wow. I have at arm's length a series of scouting manuals from a variety of different eras, which is my memorial to my short time in the scouts. But whitewater rafting, camping, orienteering, I was all in for all of it. So it sounds like a lot of fun, Terry. Yes, it is. And I've been a scout basically my whole life. And, you know, (laughs) it's one of the along with model railroading and a few other things, it's one of the things that helped me stay out of trouble as a kid. Believe me. Gosh, gosh. Terry, a pleasure as always to chat with you. Please stay on the okay. line. If anything comes up, you know what to do. Thank you okay, for calling Tom. into Model Rail Radio today. Always Thank a pleasure you. chatting. I'd like to welcome on Jim Gifford. I was talking to the uh, father-son team, Todd and Brett Wiley, of uh, HO Scale Customs. They have a podcast called The Bench Time over the week. And I was telling them, as I do frequently, actually, about this community that we created with Model Rail Radio because some fellow and his friend were able to travel all across the US and little bits of the UK and Canada and meet a bunch of listeners. It's been has it been three years since that trip? Getting pretty close since it's um, what was it two thousand and sixteen? Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice to hear Terry's voice on as well. Yes, uh, it's yeah. always nice to catch up with Terry. So yeah, we had a uh, we had a, a good time when we caught up with Terry. So it was, uh, it was great. So congratulations to Kay getting out of hospital, and it sounds like she's on the mend. So that was a yes, piece of news uh, that we good. would travel with much anticipation here. Yep, we uh, we uh, went to the doctor yesterday because she was on blood tests every day when we came out of hospital. And the doctor said, why are you here? We said, well, the physician <laughs> said I had to come every day until you said I didn't need to come every day. She said, your results are good. I'll see you in a week. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> well, that was fantastic. So Terrific. So, um, yeah, and since I've spoken to you last, we've been to New Zealand and... I did pass on your regards to Adam when he got married. Wonderful. And, uh, and we managed to do the Tekieri Gorge run out of Dunedin. Yes. And then we did the uh, three Kiwi Rail Great Scenic Journeys. We did the, the Transalpine, the Coastal Pacific, and the Northern Explorer. So, so uh, out of those three, which has the best scenery? I think the Coastal Pacific's pretty good. Right. Well, that was probably the best. And, of course, we were going through the Transalpine basically in autumn just before the snow comes mm-hmm. down. So it was only the very, very high peaks that still had snow. Interesting. So, yeah, we, we were very lucky. We only had one day that the weather was really bad on, and that was the, the day we did the longest drive, which was from Wanaka to Greymouth up the uh, up the west coast. Yes, uh, and two weeks after, the bridge that we went over that was near uh, the Franz Joseph Glacier got washed away. Gosh. So um, there's a bit of a disconnect going on in South Island at the moment. Yes. <laughs> it's just a long way round without, without, without that bridge. Yes. Mm. The other thing is, you know, here we've got uh, Session 3 finally been planned. Wonderful. 
So it's just a switchless left to go, and the boys from Port Augusta are coming down in a couple of weeks' time. So we've got uh, an operating session here Saturday afternoon. Then we go to Wayne's on Monday afternoon. Ross Pickard's on Monday night. Then we're doing Train Masters here on Tuesday night. And then we've got another operating session at Wayne's on the Wednesday. Gosh. Um, and then, sorry, on the Thursday. And then and then on the Saturday, they're coming here for a fun run. A fun run? I figured I, w- I won't be able to get Session 4 done by then, so bring a bit of your stuff and run it around the way. Wonderful. So, hmm. so oh, you, do bring, you do have a bring and run on your layout periodically then? Uh, not very often, but yes. This will be the second one. This is the second one in its history. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, speaking of folks that probably have a lot of stuff to bring, how's Roscoe doing? Yeah, Roscoe's um, going pretty well. He's had a few structural problems with his house. Ah. Um, some of the concrete's moved away and moved his veranda and pulled a few bricks out of the wall. Gosh. So, so the focus has been on fixing the house rather than doing anything on the layout. Alas. <laughs> Is it built on sand or something? Is it shifting sand or what's the... Um, uh, the, the insurance companies are debating as to whether there was a leak in the... I think in the in the stormwater system or something. Mm. That's some movement. Who knows? Gosh. Well, send you know. my regards to Roscoe. You certainly. I you will. Yeah. 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 So just with Kay's rehab, that's you know going to be fairly intense for the next few weeks. That's going to preclude me a little bit. But so, um, trying to work around with the boys from Port Augusta are here. <laughs> Chris's layout. What's been going on with Chris's layout? To be honest, I haven't done anything on Chris's layout. Since we rearranged the point controls late last year, oh, okay. um, and at the, the time when I it was at Chris's, I think I was sick that day, but uh-huh. I didn't make. Um, so um, I hear there's a few electrical gremlins, so I'm going to have to go over and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Take responsibility for at least that part. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, yeah, that was my team. In terms of the winter months, what kind of? I mean, you have quite reasonable temperature fluctuations in terms of the, you know, the various layouts and the various folks. Um, in terms of the winter months, what typically do you guys do on each other's layouts? Well, there's, there's not much building going on now. Mm. So it's, it's, we're, we're really more in getting into the operations side of it. So, um, you know, um, I guess the, the one thing we will be doing is that the, the Adelaide Railway Show, model, model Railway Show this year, Don's putting in a, uh, a layout. Wonderful. So um, he's currently building that. And um, Is it a modular layout or it's, it's a show layout, right? Yeah, it's a show layout. It's, mm. It will be modular, yes. Wonderful. And, and the idea being that the, there'll be basic scenery um, and track work, but then the structures could change year to year mm. um, so that you could, you know, we might do grain one year or another sort of stuff. So he's, he's, he's thought that through, and I haven't seen the final design. I've seen bits of it, but he's he's currently wiring all the modules. Mm. So that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll spend at least a day at the show with that doing running for him. Wonderful. Um, it's designed for a typical show. He, he's, his philosophy is there must be something moving out the front yes. pretty much all the time. And the same train, you won't be seen more than twice in, Gosh. you know, in 10 minutes. Gosh, very so, good. So it'd be, be like one that we did 
well, what, 40 years ago down in Geelong where there's a staging area out the back and everything has to flow to a pattern. <laughs> mm. How big is so, the Adelaide show? I mean, in terms of its, does it is it a school or where is it located? And uh, they, what's the they do it at like? the Greyhound Dog Track. Oh think, gosh, where they've been doing it, um, and um, normally has about thirty layouts, I suppose. Okay, uh, and another thirty stalls from various suppliers and secondhand stuff and all that stuff, and uh, it runs for three days, so it's on a long weekend. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah, last time I went, I took my uh, granddaughters, so I didn't get to do anything that a modeler would do there. (laughs) It's important to expose the next generation, though, right? Oh, yes. Very important. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, uh, they're probably due to come and have another drive soon. Most definitely. Yes, there's uh, quite a bit happening. I've got, the plan is to get all eight sessions run by the end of the year. So I've still got five sessions to plan. So mm. It takes about 40 to 50 hours work per session yes. to actually do all the paperwork, get, get your concept down, do the detail, plot it all in a train graph to make sure that it actually works. Because inevitably what's in your head and when you get down to the fine detail, there's a few little glitches. Two trains trying to use the same bit of track, etc. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, nice to catch up. and I hope your show goes well. Most definitely. Well, thank you very much, Jim, and please pass on my regards to your crew. Ross Pickard was in the pro. He was going to move, wasn't he? Was he going to pack up his layout? Is that right? Um, Wayne was the is okay. there, but they still they still. Was still it the other Ross? Was it the other Ross who was going to pack up his layout? No. Okay. No, no, it's Wayne. Wayne was the only one that's going to pack up. Okay. But that, but that's that's still away, a while away. Okay. Uh, still. Doing up houses to sell before <laughs> they could then think about where to go. Uh, I think it's uh, 12 to 18 months before anything might be happening. Okay, good to know. Mm. And uh, you're coming out here again. So, I, this is where it gets very strange. I recorded a show which I put out and edited uh, on the afternoon, and literally after I finish this call, I'm going to call my father again. I called my father after recording that show saying, Oh, yes, I'm going to Melbourne. Yes, I'm going to Melbourne. He's not going to be in Melbourne while I'm there. Somehow this message hasn't gone through. So my wife said, ah, Queensland, Queensland, let's do Queensland, Tasmania. So my view is, yes, look, my hope was to spend the uh, festive end of year period in Adelaide, or at least maybe on the coast, maybe close to where you are, some Airbnb yep. somewhere. But Michelle, you know, she's ticking off states. So <laughs> we may not end up, We look, to be frank, we haven't even booked the tickets here. We're going to book the tickets probably within the next couple of months, and then work out actually what we're doing. But all plans are now, aside from my mother's 70th, which we're going to no matter what, that's one thing that's in there. But now Michelle wants to do Tasmania, and she was also talking about Queensland. So I unfortunately have a finite amount of time. I would love to have the opportunity to spend uh, spend the festive period in the shutdown in Adelaide. I mean, people, I tell people about Adelaide that how sleepy it is as a town from, you know, the 22nd through to about the 2nd, the whole place just closes up. Shops aren't open, you know. And I was, every time I go back, it, it maintains that. So that's something I w- would have wanted to have been there on location. But now Michelle's looking at Tasmania and looking at Queensland currently. So all uh, all previous possibilities have been torn up into little pieces and we're reassembling what the Australia trip might look like. But rest assured, if we get to South Australia, I will definitely look you and your crew up, Jim Gifford. <laughs> 
Oh, well, if you're here, it'll be, it'll be a barbecue at a run. <laughs> but, yeah, and unfortunately... We can, uh, we having, another park somewhere. <laughs> yes, I, look, I think I, I do appreciate the nature of Michelle's experience in Australia. Obviously, you indelibly have, have participated in that in a really wonderful fashion last time we were in, in South Australia, but... Yeah, different different states, different possibilities. So yeah, I'll, I'll let the sorry. Yeah, some great stuff, and uh, there's some really nice. You know, Tasmania is a nice place to visit. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I've only yeah. spent a, a week in Tasmania, but it was just such a wonderful experience traveling around, and it's um, so different uh, to the rest of did Australia. I, did I send you my um, holiday diary when I was in Tasmania? Because um, it just gives you an idea of what's where. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I do get most of your holiday diaries, but I don't think I got the Tasmanian one. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll flick you them. Terrific. It only runs, only runs for about seven days or eight, eighteen okay. days, so it's, it's not, <laughs> not like we went to the US and Canada and it went on for ages. Always a pleasure chatting, Jim. Like I said, yep. pass my regards to your crew and, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Yep, thanks, Tom. Bye. <laughs> I'd like to welcome on a gentleman who I was only talking with last recording, but as tends to happen, so much can happen in a couple of weeks in the model railroading hobby. Mike Slater, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Tom. Uh, thanks for asking. So, the summer months, emerging out of the kind of darker, colder period, although I understand have you, guys, you had snow within the past couple of weeks, haven't you? Uh, we had snow last weekend. Yes, okay, well... <laughs> Imagine the summer months, if one might. <laughs> what are your plans for the summer months? I, I know you're going to a couple of shows. I know you've got, uh, you know, traction-related stuff that you're working on. What's what's going to happen in the next few months associated with the Bottle Row Running Hobby and Mike Slater? Well, um, well, first of all, I won the election. Congratulations. And I'm now the elected superintendent of the WISE division of the NMRA. Wonderful. Um, so I have some planning and some activities I have to still do for the board of directors for the wise division. One of them is getting the word out of a new activity that our division is going to be doing this uh, coming September. And we are organizing a railroad prototype modelers meet, uh, which is first time an event like this has been held uh, within our area. Um, I've also reached out to our neighboring uh, divisions and, uh, sometime probably, uh, next year, uh, we'll be doing a joint meet with, uh, three NMRA divisions, mm. uh, for one of our monthly meet, uh, dates. And I've also made contact with the newly elected superintendent of the Winnebago land, uh, division, which, uh, he's called into this program a few times. Uh, Mr. A- Andy Dorsch is the new superintendent. Congratulations Andy. Congratulations, yep. yes. Uh, so I've uh, uh, reached out to him about doing a, a possible joint meet with the Winnebago Land and the Wise Division, and uh, he seemed interested in, in that. Uh, of course, he's fer- very excited for the Railroad Prototype Modelers meet. Yes. So Can those we are... talk about that just for a moment? Because my understanding is that they, historically at least on the East Coast, are independent from the NMRA. Is that correct, or am I just misunderstanding well, that? He- uh, sometimes yes. Um, sometimes the, uh, the NMRA may not, 
totally run the event, but uh, local divisions may hmm. get involved and be co-sponsors of RPM meets. Interesting. Uh, sometimes for the insurance policies oh, of that course, come yes. along with the NMRA yeah. uh, meet. Uh, with the the WISE division, uh, being that we run Train Fest, we also have our own separate uh, blanket policy from uh, the NMRA, so it kind of allows us to uh, do a few things that, uh, uh, for hosting our own events, like the RPM meet, where typically if it was an NMRA, if it was being sponsored by the division, uh, you would have to charge additional amounts uh, for non, non-NMRA members mm. and other little loopholes and stuff like that. But being that we have our, our own policy for this first year to see how the attendance is, we're going to have our RPM meet totally free of charge to anybody Gosh. that uh, attends the event. Gosh. It's one of the the perks that we can do with the fundraising that we do with TrainFest. Wow. Oh, so it, uh, it, there's, um, we're, we're probably one of the very very few divisions that can accomplish that, but uh, there's, a, there's a few things that, uh, if this takes off, that I have kicking around the back of my mind where – uh, that I'll have to discuss with the board and that. I don't really want to let too many cats out of the bag of ideas. <laughs> but for at least this very first year, it'll be uh, free for everybody that attends the event. And in terms of the distinction between this and a normal NMRA regional, the, the quality of the prototype modelers meets, I mean, certainly the ones that are, are famous and well attended on the East Coast, I think there are at least three. The... I is on very particular detail, right? This is this is the the rivet counters. I don't want to say that, but let's say that this is the area of the hobby where people who are obsessed about detail can really shine. Is that the way you would put it? I, I would say that that's accurate. But even if a person's not into the extreme super detailing, and you know his his quality level is adding a few detail parts, they're still welcome to attend and display their models. There's no discrimination for, for lack of detail. <laughs> Certainly. Um, it's the, the main thing is if you attend one of these meets and you, you are not maybe one of the, the high end level detailers, but you walk out of the, the RPM meet learning something new. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Um, like, uh, I've been to several of the St. Louis ones and, uh, there's one gentleman by the name of, uh, Brian Banna. Mm-hmm. He he's I would say a super detailer uh, to the extreme. You know, he he goes further than probably the most extreme super detailers. Mm. Um, he'll he'll drill a hole in a, a brass rod the size of a human hair uh, to get a to create a detail part that's uh, accurate to the prototype. Um, but uh, I had the pleasure of talking to him last year at the St. Louis RPM meet and thanked him for doing the YouTube videos that he does. And mm. even though I would never go to the extreme levels of the detailing, I've learned off of his videos on how to improve some of my modeling. I thanked him for the videos that he does. And he, his basic response was he never really expects anybody to go to his his extreme levels. But that even if it was something minute or minor that I learned from his video, it was well worth him producing that video. Certainly, certainly. So let's talk about drilling a hole the size of a human hair. I mean, what visually does that just give rounded edges or what, what does that give visually to a model? Well, it, 
you you'd probably almost have to see his his videos on on YouTube, which is uh, his YouTube channel. I believe is sixaxlepower.com. Mm-hmm. His he's going into probably further than museum quality type models. Mm. Looking, at, you know, I've seen his his models up hand close and personal, and they're wonderful models. Mm. Um, it just it's probably not in the detail level that I would take a model to an HO scale. Maybe if you were wanting to super detail G scale, you would mm-hmm. you would go to some of those extremes because your the materials that you're working with are much larger sizes. To drill but, a hole that small is is more about the anticipation that the hole is there than actually being something which I think you could probably, I mean, maybe you could visually see it if you were really, really close. But that is, that's interesting well, he, the the notion of even doing that as a as a well, concept. He, he's well, he's also then after he drills that hole, he's inserting a brass rod mm. into it to make like an elbow pipe or mm. so he you know he's going for that extreme you know scale size components even though there are items on his models that that he's got to compromise just for having the model being able to run on a model railroad layout or the sheer fact that there's sometimes no ways a way of machining that particular detail part so you have to kind of live with a detail part that may not be as accurate as you'd want it to be but again visually the average person's probably not going to know the difference mm. interesting Interesting, but so, uh, but then they... I, I've seen I've seen people that also brought models that were they've taken them almost like taking an Atherin engine out of the box, but just doing some light weathering to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know you you go from all different types of extremes, but the key thing is being able to walk out out of that type of a meet, learning something new. Certainly, certainly. And in terms of actually running something like this, I didn't realize that your division ran train fest. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's just a small little train show that we we yeah, put just, on. Just a little thing. Just yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what, what was the attendance of train fest? The most recent um, without looking, I believe I'm going to say a, roughly around twenty thousand last 20, year. Yeah, more than twenty thousand. I seem to recall. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Firstly, it's a free show, which I think is absolutely amazing for a prototype modeler's meet. Yep. Do you anticipate how many folks you're going to get to this thing? Well, that's kind of the scary part right now. I haven't really <laughs> done a full blown announcement. This is probably uh-huh. the this when this gets released, it'll probably be the biggest <laughs> uh, announcement publicly. Uh, uh-huh. We haven't gotten the flyers uh, finalized right now, but uh, that's being worked on by a couple of friends right now. Just the little bit I've kind of let the, the, the head out of the bag on on uh, Facebook, on the RPM meet page and stuff mm. like that. Um, I've already got a, a couple of individuals uh, interested in coming from the Twin Cities uh, of Minneapolis, St. Paul area, uh, the Paper Valley area of Wisconsin, which would include Green Bay, Appleton, mm-hmm. Nina areas. And then I even have a gentleman that grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but now lives in Pennsylvania mm. that's interested in coming uh, to the RPME. Interesting. Um, initially, the size the size for this first year is not going to be a large meet because I figured, well, this first year is going to take a little bit to grow. But from the little bit of response I'm getting, I was afraid I was going to fill up the, the area that we have, and now I'm afraid – the area I have is not going to be large enough, but mm. uh, it's uh, when we get a little bit closer to the event, uh, I'm going to 
have a page on our Wise Division uh, fa- or uh, uh, web page that uh, people will be able to contact me through, and uh, I'm going to try to ask people to RSVP if they're going to be attending with models. And uh, uh, as soon as I get the room laid out with the tables and figure out how much table space I have in the room or even the little side room, then I, uh, depending on how many people attend, I may, with our RSVPing, I may uh, respond back to them and try to see if they can either limit their uh, space or if they have some type of shelving. So if they say they needed like two tables mm-hmm. worth, if they had shelving that they could bring with them where they could stack uh, stuff up and that, mm. uh, but um, we'll, we'll see how this first year goes and hopefully things work out and next year can be in a much larger room. And, uh, and if it goes into a much larger room, we, we may have to charge a small, maybe a small little fee to help offset some of our normal costs. Uh, or the one thing, maybe if we do do it, uh, NMRE members may get into the show for free. And then the non-NMRE members might have to pay a, a small little fee to, to come in. It, you know, things have to be worked out and figured out and cost of the rooms and, and uh, other types of things uh, with it. So it's still kind of shaking itself out, but uh uh, hopefully things work out, and uh, this will become an annual type event for mm. our division. Well, you certainly have the modelers in your area to contribute to this kind of thing. So, yeah, more power to you. So, Mike, now you have an official role within the NMRA. Does that mean you'll have some kind of official role with regards to TrainFest, or is there any overlap with, with those two things? Yeah, well, the WISE division... We run TrainFest. TrainFest is, is our yearly fundraiser to, to raise operating funds for our division. And be, when I automatically become superintendent, I automatically have a, a board position on our TrainFest committee. Mm. Uh, we have uh, a, the board of directors for the division doesn't directly run uh, TrainFest, but we do have a separate committee of individuals that... Uh, run the day-to-day operations and, and layout of the, of the show. And uh, being that I'm the superintendent, uh, the committee's got to report to me, and I also have a, a say-so on, on that particular committee, what's going on with, with the show. Mm. Fascinating times, Mike Slater. Thank you very much for uh, for bringing the news to Model Rail Radio, because I think certainly you and Andy seem to be, you know, doing some uh, sizable moves, a little bit of shaking in your uh, local NMRA, you know, divisions. And I think it's wonderful to see uh, folks from podcasts coming forward and uh, take out this. And I know that uh, there are a variety of folk that have used podcasts historically for their NMRA runs. But with you in particular, I had such a keen sense of your community spirit within the hobby um, that it's wonderful to see this thing play out. So congratulations and thank you for... uh, for calling into Model Royale Radio today. Oh, no, not a problem. Any time, Tom. This looks like it's going to be a short show, ladies and gentlemen. I think I'd predicted that I was going to move the shows to every three weeks to give a chance for uh, for people to enjoy their summers. And even though it was still snowing recently in Mike's latest part of the world... Certainly in California and and around, summer seems to have come a little early. So what I'm going to be doing through the summer months is recording every three weeks. 
You can get the next three shows, however, on the Model Rail Radio website. So if you're interested in calling into Model Rail Radio, if you've never called in, you need to have the experience at least of calling in once. We had a gentleman by the name of Chris Shorthouse. Chris Shorthouse actually isn't his name, that's his wife's name. Contact us recently. He is Model Rail Radio show number six. <laughs> so Chris, if you hear this audio, please call back into Model Rail Radio. I know you've called in once since show number six. We were wonderful to get an update from you. New listeners, always a pleasure chatting with new listeners. And obviously long-time participants such as uh, such as the folks I've had a chance to chat with today. Always welcome as well. So not a summer holiday as much as a slight slowdown through the summer months. As we record every three weeks with Model Rail Radio. Catch up with a regular group of folk and also new callers. And my anticipation is that... We might do something interesting for show number 200. Part of doing this frequency is moving towards something interesting. So if you could do the the math, where will show 200 land? I think that's all worth thinking about. Anyway, for folks listening in, thank you very much. And for the folks who participated today, thank you also. Good afternoon. Good evening, Tom.